0: Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, your host and a contributing columnist on CIO.com, where I write about business strategy and boardroom issues for technology leaders. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the support of CIO.com and our CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live right now to both LinkedIn and Twitter. And we welcome all of our viewers who are with us this afternoon to join in the conversation and send in questions of your own. And we will be watching for those and passing them along to our esteemed guest. At the close of the show today, we will also remind you that this recording will be available on IDG's uh, Tech Tech Talk channel on YouTube and also on CIO.com. So, joining me today on CIO Leadership Live is Anupam Kare, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO for Oshkosh Corporation. Anupam draw, joined Oshkosh two years ago in the spring of 2018, determined to help this $8 billion global manufacturer develop a business driven, customer obsessed IT strategy. Anu makes a point of leading. Oshkosh Digital Technology as a business focused on driving digital transformation that is aimed at increasing sales, keeping customers happy, and increasing operating income for the company's four lines of business worldwide. Based in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, this company employs 15,000 people. It makes and sells access equipment, specialty vehicles, and truck bodies for the defense and fire and emergency and municipal markets And it also produces goods for refuse hauling, concrete placement, and airport services around the world. As the CIO, Anu is responsible for all of the tech strategy around everything from Industry 4.0 implementations to data science, infrastructure services, cybersecurity, and enterprise business systems. Before his current role with Ashkosh, he held various IT leadership and CTO positions at United Technologies, Coke Industries, and DuPont. Anu's global experience includes strategic and long-range planning around major IT initiatives. He is an active member of IDC's CIO Executive Council, as well as the CNBC Technology Executive Council and the Wall Street Journal's CIO Network. And both this year and last, the team under his guidance at Oshkosh has brought home two CIO 100 awards for their innovative work. Anu, it's delightful to have you here today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Mary Fran. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, and I also thank uh, all the listeners who are joining. This is a great show you host. And, uh, and uh, I've been watching this and uh, there's always there is a great opportunity to learn from uh, the fellow CIOs and and what excellent work they're doing in their organization. So thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome, and I couldn't agree more. I think I've I found that no matter what industry CIOs we're talking to, you're all trying to solve similar problems and bring the same kind of technology advances and and business strategy help to your companies. So we often start out the show by looking at, well, it used to be, it was so fashionable to look at industry disruption and what's going on in the world. And, And usually you'd be talking then about emerging technologies and competition from startups These days, when we say disruption, of course, we're thinking of the COVID crisis and the pandemic state that we've all been in for the last two months. So, let's start out by talking about how the crisis has been impacting Oshkosh and all the people that work for you and also for your IT team.
1: Yeah, let let me step back and uh, basically uh, define and introduce Oshkosh. And Oshkosh, basically, I think, is a a purpose-driven company and our purpose is we move the world at work and as you describe uh, pretty well that we are a diversified the global industrial company uh, mm-hmm. our purpose is defined by some of the examples I give example of uh, we design and build fire trucks and mm-hmm. Those fire trucks help our firefighters respond in an emergency situation when you and I are running out of a burning building, right? So, so that's just a simple example of every product, every segment has a, has a mission. And we move the words and word uh, word at work. So that's our purpose, and and so that defines why. And why is very important to connect with all our fifteen thousand employees, and mm-hmm. and that why drove our uh, response also uh, on the COVID. So I'll I'll describe in two parts, right? One on the business side, and the second on the uh, IT side. On the business side. As, as we uh, talked about, we are diversified global industrial companies. We have four segments. So two of our segments, fire and, and emergency and uh, defense segments, they have been doing pretty pretty well. I think we have uh, uh, orders visibility till 2021, and they have been uh, producing nonstop even during this crisis. And we are termed as essential business. The rest of the two, rest of the two segments have seen the demand and, uh, and supply chain variations like any other company. And, and our teams have been managing pretty well. So, so that's the general state, but overall uh, we have a very strong liquidity position and, and that's our strength and our people first culture Basically, that helps to overcome any adversities which we have. So with that, um, in uh, overall, our teams like our COO and CEO, they led an emergency response team here, making sure that every employee is safe. That was our first uh, thing. The second thing was making sure that our businesses run because we are essential businesses and we have a responsibility towards the customers. But when yes. it comes to IT, uh, we we had basically uh, three, three approaches here. One is was, when COVID started, right? And second, during the COVID, and third is post-COVID. So during the, uh, as COVID started, we basically overnight, I think it was a weekend when we switched over roughly 35 to 3,800 team members to remote working environment.
0: Because you mentioned to me when we talked earlier that, your CEO and your other C-level colleagues uh, on executive management committee were pretty startled by how seamless it went. Which is a re- it's a real compliment to you as the CIO that you flipped a switch and everybody worked from home.
1: And and I, I and I'm a kind of uh, proud of my team. I think they have done phenomenal job. Uh, all the leaders coming together, but some of the things which we have done, I think we'll talk in our uh, subsequent portion of our talk is. We were fortunate in terms of we had started late in 20, 2018 our modernization program. And, and to, to, mm-hmm. to our surprise, we finished that program, especially two areas. One was the service desk transformation, and second was the desktop trans- transformation in January of this year. And, and those two became an essential element for remote working. So, Very yeah, bad. so
0: be wrapping that up yeah
1: yeah that was a very timely and 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 i also one element i will uh, mention is that we have built incredible relationships with all our 15000 team members they know mm-hmm. that in it we are here for them to make their experience better so even though we had uh, so some of the people did not know how to do remote access, but they were very patient and we were able to transition them. So that was uh, prior to, uh, as soon as COVID started. But during COVID, I think, uh, you know, every crisis brings creativity, right? And and that's where I think the partnership matters a lot. And uh, one of our partnership, I'll give you two or three examples here. One example was we do, Our customers come here in our locations to do inspections uh, before we dispatch trucks to them in one of our segments. And during this COVID-19 partnership with business, we created a virtual inspection pretty quickly so that customers can uh, basically inspect remotely and we can dispatch the truck, right? Our analytics analytics teams work with the supply chain to create multiple dashboards and analytics models so that we can predict and monitor the situation of our supply chain right uh-huh. and also uh, one of our team uh, team members built a bot during the same crisis for our supply chain teams so that they can reduce their work and focus on making sure supply chain so some of the ways during crisis our teams work and and that's reflective of the partnership which we have built and now we are focusing on return to the work. Uh, and I have been here for in the workplace for the last 30 days. And the uh, teams are coming back in the office area. And we're making sure that we basically help them from a technology standpoint, transitioning in a very smooth manner.
0: Well, I know one of the things you and I talked about was vocal, your uh, CEO is about uh, the maintaining that people first culture that you have at Oshkosh. And it, I have to say that for the, for most of the world, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of a manufacturing company uh, in the middle of Wisconsin, that you're going to have uh, an intensely people first culture. I often hear that at Healthcare companies, for instance, where it's mission and purpose based, uh, it sounds like the the employees at Oshkosh have that same kind of connection to customers and each other. How do you how did you bring that about? Is this something that is traditional at Oshkosh, or is it more in the last few years?
1: Uh, see, uh, our our CEO was. John uh, Jones, he introduced this uh, concept, means uh, being mid- Midwest, it has been a humble company forever, right? This is, a, we call it a 103-year-strong company. It has always been uh, a humble company, but uh, he introduced the term people first, and, and it's not only the term, I think he meant it. And if you look at every decision we make, whether it's a business decision or um, our uh, IT decision or any functional decision, we keep our people at the forefront, and yeah. and we think about them. And and one of the things we have seen is, uh, if you uh, take exception to the COVID nineteen and this quarter, uh, for last I think 16 quarters, we have been doing phenomenally well uh, mm-hmm. from a financial standpoint. And kudos goes to the our people first approach and how we have engaged. And how we are developing and connecting our our team members to overall company's mission and our customers.
0: Yes, well, and I know I want to um, I want to shift over for a moment and talk a little bit more specifically about your IT group. You have about the IT size is about four hundred and fifty full time employees, and then another few hundred that you use as augment staff and or outsource staff. How? When you arrived in the spring of 2018, two years ago, was IT the kind of trusted partner that we've been hearing about from you lately? Is, is that the situation you inherited or are there big changes that you made when you came in two years ago?
1: Yeah, we, we made uh, changes in terms of uh, structure and, uh, and also in terms of how we operate. Right, Those are the two changes we made. So in terms of a structure, if you look at, we call it three legged stool. So we have three legs. One is a business leg. So I have a, a VP of IT in each segment. They are very close to the customers. They understand the pulse of the business and, and they represent them. And so that's the one leg of this tool. The second is the enterprise leg, an enterprise leg where we have uh, VP of infrastructure, Cybersecurity, enterprise architecture, right? Which is common across all segments. And the third, third leg is the advanced capabilities, right? Mm-hmm. And advanced capabilities, we have a leader for analytics. We have a leader for digital manufacturing, and we have a leader for RPA. So we structure this in a way that we have a best of, I will say, Both words are all the words, right? We are very close to customers. We are able to use our scale in optimizing the cost and services. But at the same time, we are able to advance companies' agenda through emerging technology. But more importantly here, I think the way we operate is, to me, I think has been phenomenal how all IT leaders came together and how we are operating. operating. So if you look at what we have done is we have created a... IT board. We call it IT board, monthly IT board where we meet and we focus just like any business board. We focus on the strategic aspects of the organization. So for example, talent strategy, vendor strategy, mm-hmm. technology strategy. Those are the things which are either futuristic or and take care of all the elements of the organization. That's And we also run our strategic governance over there that what we promised are we delivering or not? So that's the uh, one thing we did. But so overall, overarching theme there was: we don't make decisions individually; we make decisions collectively and execute individually. And well, and that has that has basically uh, made sure this team operates as an integrated integrated team.
0: Yeah I wanted to I love that idea of calling it an IT essentially an IT board of directors but it's not an IT steering committee with all the leaders of your different technology areas this involves other areas of the business uh, tell us a little bit about more about the the positions the 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 parts of the company that are represented on your IT board
1: Yeah IT board uh, primarily is uh, uh, all the the segment uh, uh, it leaders primarily and uh, so they they are there but i i think the way we publish our agenda right mm-hmm. they depending on the agenda they prior to the meeting they basically in work with the business segments and business leaders to bring their thoughts perspectives in the, in in those meetings so that's how how we run
0: okay and then above that there's another you you mentioned to me a portfolio committee A group that talk a little bit about that as well because I know you've got more than one level of governance that keeps up all this coordination.
1: Yeah, so this was basically strategic governance IT board, and then we have called a portfolio enablement board, Mm -hmm. and which is called PEB, and this is an investment committee, and and this is the senior leaders of uh, again all the IT leaders we meet on a weekly basis, and and our purpose there is. Uh, to make sure that every work which we do, right, mm-hmm. uh, is it aligned with the, the first thing we do, is, is it aligned with the broader business purpose, right? Can we quantify the value? Is it the right place where we need to invest company's money, right? Yeah. So those are the strategic decisions we make and, and projects are prioritized, uh, accepted or rejected uh, in that meeting. But we use the term enablement is once it passes through, as a leadership, we are committed to make sure those things are resourced properly and delivered on time to meet the customer expectations.
0: That's interesting. Well, and you and I had talked about this. I mean, as a longtime editor and writer, I'm very big on words and word choices and how important that can be. Um, And the fact that you call it enablement rather than a review board. Actually, gives it a different sort of feel. Uh, but in the in the bigger picture, you renamed the IT department when you got there as well. Um, talk about why you're calling why IT today is called digital technology.
1: Yeah, I uh, I have been a, a big fan. I think brand is important, right? Mm-hmm. And perception of the brand is very important. And uh, so our original brand was. Uh, Back office function, right? Yeah. Which is in many places where we do excellent job in running the infrastructure, PC support, and all that, right? What mm-hmm. we uh, when we came uh, when I came in and we all worked together towards our vision. One of the element of the vision was is um, which is this is how we define our vision is maximize potential through technology. Mm-hmm. That's the vision we came. And when we talk about maximized potential, we talk about potential of our people. How do we make them more productive through technology? Uh, and basically potential of data. How do we use the data to make better decisions? Protect uh, basically assets. How do we make our assets more productive? So these are the uh, elements we basically have uh, chosen. So with our new focus, we, as a team, decided we need a different brand, right? Mm-hmm. And we different brand so that people can associate with that, and that's why we change. If you look at it, we use the term like, how do we insert technologies to make you digital technology to make you more effective? And yeah. by changing the name, changing the brand, right? But the important thing is we just not changed the name. We took about a year to change the name because what I, what we wanted is. People should feel that there's a change before we change the name.
0: Right. It wasn't just so, a label. It was actually a directional scope that you were looking at.
1: Yeah. So when we, we started feeling as a leadership team that our, our team members, Oshkosh, broader Oshkosh team members and business leaders have started feeling the difference and the direction we are going. And that's where we flip the switch and change the name.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, if you're just joining us now, you have uh, come upon CIO Leadership Live, where I am having a wonderful conversation with Anupam Kare, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO at Oshkosh Corporation in Wisconsin. And we welcome questions from our audience. So if you have questions of your own for Anu, please just send them in through LinkedIn or through Twitter. And we're watching those feeds, and we will make sure to pass those on. Let us dive in next to um, areas of the business that you think are changing in terms of the customer expectation. I know you have a, it's a very, we've been talking about what a wonderful people first culture you have, but there's also um, a certain amount of uncertainty about what customers are going to need and want as we get more into the post-COVID, the return to work world. How do you see that affecting the customers you're dealing with now? And how are you plan, how are you preparing for that?
1: Yeah, so the, I think the, the first of all is the, there is a changing uh, customer expectation all around us, ir- irrespective of industry in which we are. And when I look at is basically uh, customers changing expectations are they're looking for simplicity, Yeah. right? They're looking for uh, what do you call uh, um, the, the trust, simplicity, trust and transparency mm-hmm. and simplicity means how easy it is to do business with this company right and that's where number one it comes how strongly we build a relationship with them but also from a digital channel standpoint e-commerce standpoint how we make easy for them to uh, approach us then then comes the basically transparency right when we say something we deliver mm-hmm. right And and what it means from a digital technology standpoint, we introduce predictability in entire value chain from ordering to supply chains to manufacturing. And that's where our analytics comes into picture that how do we make things predict? And finally is the basically trust and trust means they are guided, right? They are guided to make the right decision and they get the Right product, and this is where, from a digital technology standpoint, we put suggestive selling in our e-commerce portal. So, so in in summary, I think it's the three basic change, and and these are excellent opportunity for uh, IT to basically help uh, meet the needs of these changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a uh, I I think that's a very. That's a very powerful word when you talk about trust, and I know that creating trust in your business leadership, um, that uh, especially with the investments you've made in IT, you'd mentioned to me when we talked that every dollar you spend, you feel like it's your very own money, and um, how, is that, how is that different for you now as a CIO than it has been in some of your previous posts?
1: Yeah, so... The the trust has been in the in the, we we have been talking about in like my previous roles and all that partnerships are very important, and uh, but there there was a moment in my career where basically this uh, light bulb was on and said okay the crux of the whole thing is the trust if I am trusted as individual leader if my organization is trusted everything else becomes easy and and that's why I am made here is personal responsibility and my team's responsibility to earn and keep that trust every Mm -hmm. day and and how do you do is these are not the words like i think actions uh speak here like so the Mm -hmm. way we do our service desk right the way we do our simplest things the way we do our service desk the way we uh empathize with our customers and understanding their needs versus telling them the, the technology the way we show them that we are creating value at the least possible cost though we are technology obsessed but we are customer obsessed first mm-hmm. so those are the things which we do through examples uh, build a trust and i see as a trust as a lubricant right and it makes the the conversation easy it makes the delivery easy, it makes investment request easy. Uh, it, it makes a l- lot more sense.
0: Everything works more smoothly when you, more smoothly. you don't have to have all your defenses up. Well, we have a question from our attentive audience here, and it is about how implementing new brand new changes, especially a brand change to digital technology can take time. And did you accomplish this by hiring new people? Or did you train for this new approach with IT uh, with your current IT group?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think uh, the first important aspect is the why, right? And this vision we came up uh, and we were very clear about a, a rollout within our DT team. So connecting people to why we are doing that was the most important thing. The second the part of the question, which is around how did we accomplish this? See, this is a journey. I won't say that we are done. This is a journey we'll, con- we'll continue. But I think the point is we we created a mix, right? We we had some team leaders and members uh, whom we assigned to different roles. Some team members were existing in their roles, but we hired all. So it was a combination of... Uh, transformation, because the fundamental philosophy I have is people are open to change, right? People want to change if they understand why, right? And we help them to achieve that change. And Mm -hmm. that's why our leaders are playing a phenomenal role in transforming uh, the organization, how we interact, because they embrace, first of all, I will say this was not, I won't say this was my strategy or my vision. This was our collective strategy and collective vision. That's where the, from the first day, I think there was alignment. So I think we are, we started pretty well. We are moving at the momentum and sometime I'll tell you, to be honest, I'm very, very surprised that we set a target and people want to beat those targets. Ah. And uh, it is it is very exciting to see when it happens.
0: They respond to stretch goals, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. If achievable, and I can't help but think that the an environment of trust and regard for each other is probably helping this a lot. Um, I've noticed that in talking with some of your other CIO colleagues recently, we've been having a lot more conversations about the importance of empathy and kind of the human element. And it's not just when we're talking about the challenges of filling technology roles and hiring people. It just seems to be very pervasive these days. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's increased more with all of the pandemic attention uh, or if it was just there all along and now everybody's talking about it more. But I know words like empathy and trust, uh, it didn't used to be what CIOs talked about. We used to be, we would talk about a lot of technology implementations and return on investment. And it just, it feels more humanistic to me somehow these days.
1: That's true. Absolutely true.
0: Now, I wanted to circle back. You mentioned your service desk and that being one of the big modernization and upgrade elements. And that was, in fact, the uh, innovative award winner for you with our CIO 100 this year. Talk a little bit just about that. What did you win this award for? What was innovative about what you did?
1: Yeah. So the first of all I'll talk about is like uh, we had lots of priority and, and how and why service desk become our, an important topic to focus on, right? And service desk was doing pretty well, right? But I, I think we, we, we kind of, as a team, we said we have to have a customer obsessed culture. And in everything we do, we have to demonstrate that, right? And service desk is where our 15,000 team members come and interact. And if that interaction is not, then we are not living to what we are aspiring to be, right? So that's why service does become important. But then we, what we did a couple of things there. Number one, we uh, focused on using machine learning, right? Machine learning to predict predict uh, as many incidents as we can, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the one set of technology we use. The second technology we use, the uh, intelligent uh, chatbots, right? Where some mundane tasks can be, done by chatbot while our teams can focus on on higher value work. The third element is we use the automation. We are heavy on automation in digital technology functions. So we automated a lot of the functions, right? So that people don't have our team members, Oshka's team members don't have to call, right? They submit a request and things happen behind the scenes. So that was the uh, automation. Then on top of it, we did, and a consolidation of uh, help there. So we generally, what we, I think, in uh, twelve to eighteen months, forty-seven percent uh, uh, reduction in incidents, and uh, yeah, forty-seven percent reduction in incidents, and uh, significant quality improvement. So uh, we are honored to, be, to receive this award. But I think we we were doing things which we thought is important
0: yeah you weren't necessarily saying oh this is leading edge and innovative so much as it was good for your customer obsession and it just happened to win an innovation award because yeah. it was pretty cool stuff
1: that's absolutely true
0: we have another uh, question from the audience here about what your top short term initiatives are in IT and why they would be your top ones and and i always i like a question about that as well where i ask cios what What is top of mind for you over the next year? And I think in the last two months, that may have shifted around a little bit for a lot of CIOs. But if you were to name your top short term initiatives today, what are they and why?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think uh, I will say two short terms here. Number one, I think uh, even though we have been very seamless in transitioning, but uh, this scale has basically given us a view of uh, uh, the where our potential vulnerable points can be in infrastructure and uh, application space so we have made a list and we want to make sure that we strengthen them further that's the that's one the second thing is uh, actually is um, we have uh, streamlined our portfolio based on the new business reality portfolio of projects, right? There are certain projects we have put on hold and delayed, but the things we are focusing on, which are high value to customers. So our our short-term focus is what we have promised, let's let's execute and deliver fast. And Mm -hmm. and third is obviously very, very important is, uh, I think uh, this COVID situation has different team members, uh have a different situation right and and they have dealt with this covid situation differently so when Mm -hmm. they are returning to the work right we have to make sure that they they are as comfortable as before so Mm -hmm. those are the three i will say short-term priorities for us
0: yes have you had discussions yet about how much this will change uh, the company's attitude and acceptance toward People that wanna would prefer to work remotely. A lot of companies get into a you know a pretty heavy duty HR and almost a political cultural kind of conversation about. I know I, I know some uh, CIOs at large insurance or banking companies, and they tend to have cultures that are very building specific. You know, everyone comes in here to work. We're very much centralized. Um, do you? How is that? conversation playing out for you at oshkosh i mean you you make you manufacture fire trucks so there's certain things that we can't do from home but there's uh, a lot of things we can so how is that changing that conversation for oshkosh uh
1: i i think the so flexible work workplace right has been our strategy uh, even before covid right so uh yeah that's the flexible workplace and and that flexibility has to be determined based on the, the type of work, mm-hmm. uh, the te- team member situation, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the team situation, right? So that has always been in, the, in, in place as part of our overall People First uh, journey, right? So that will continue. However, our perspective is, I think uh, the flexibility is an important element, mm-hmm. uh, but I think collaboration, right, and many times face-to-face collaboration plays an equal, equal role. So, so how do you balance? And, and the way we are articulating is that balance has to be determined at, at the team member level mm-hmm. and, and the supervisor level, yes. right? So that's how, how we are approaching. I think, again, the, the work is important and our team members are important. And if we keep keep those two things right in perspective, I think things are figuring out automatically. I don't think we're putting a lot of effort in, in thinking in those directions because it's a natural progression.
0: So it'll be a situational decision in a lot of cases. And it, so you feel that the flexibility you might have to tinker with remote versus in the building sort of conversations, they're not changed in any direction. Uh, from COVID, they were pretty much ongoing already.
1: Yeah, and and I, I will tell you, I Miss, mean, uh, if you look at our headquarters in uh, in Oshkosh, mm-hmm. it's the phenomenal headquarters, both from workplace design and technology design. is the most modern facility, mm-hmm. and and if you are living in the area as an employee, you will want to come and work over. It's such a cool place. So.
0: You've got a better cafeteria than they're going to be making lunch at home.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, well, let's actually, let's leverage off of that and talk a little bit about uh, talent acquisition and retention. And I mean, you you are in Wisconsin and it gets a little snowy there in the winter. So how what kind of talent challenges have you had over the past year? And how do you think they may change now that we are in this post-pandemic world, whatever that is going to look like?
1: Yeah, so the talent ch- ch- challenges, first of all, I think our team has been very, very strong in the technologies which we owned, mm-hmm. right? And they were very, very strong. Uh, but we, the technologies which we are going to embrace, like data analytics and digital manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, and that's area we are building our strengths. So, so if you look at you, you're right. Wisconsin has a challenge first of all, but there's a positive side. We are very highly regarded company in the this area, right? Mm-hmm. Our our brand speaks as a, as a company, so that basically helps in in hiring people. But our strategy is a couple fold. Number one, heavy focus on reskilling and upskilling. So last two last two years we like first year we introduced the digital foundation training 80 percent of the 87 of the team member took this year we introduced a part of academy 3200 courses for our team members to take any courses which you like in your area and the team is responding phenomenally so reskilling and upskilling is one element of this the second element is We are flexible in in NDT recognizing the market reality. We are flexible in location. So we have team members who are working from Florida, Washington, DC, and Arizona. And so these are some some places. So we have become flexible. Uh, And the third element is, I think like all of my CIO colleagues, we are heavily focused on internship program. How do we strengthen? and train uh, our team members. And and the, to the first part, like uh, RPA, like I give example on uh, reskilling, upskilling, we started RPA practice here, right? And when we started RPA practice, we didn't have anybody who knew what RPA is, right? And- uh, uh, that, That's
0: robotics process automation. That was not- yeah.
1: But they they knew the world and we all knew the world, but not exactly how it operates, but four or five team members from application team, they raised their hand that I want to learn and I want to contribute. They were doing, they were busy in their jobs, but they learned. So I I think again, this ties to our people first approach. We are focusing on developing people, uh, supplementing the sets where we don't have and flexibility of locations.
0: Well, and uh, we have a question asking about your automation tools and the things you're most interested in there. And so while we're on the topic of RPA, you had mentioned that you've identified something like 400 use cases in the last six months and that you have uh, several dozen active projects. Uh, talk a, uh, pick one or two of those to talk about in a little more depth. Um, about exactly where RPA and automation tools are showing up most strongly in the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I give uh, one example, which is uh, during COVID, uh, our team members did uh, was uh, we have an ERP system, uh, and uh, in the from the ERP system, we find out where the material shortages are are likely to happen, right? and based on that we extract the data from our erp system we write an email to our uh, our buyers right write email to suppliers uh, checking the status of uh, those uh, supplies right and this is a constant process so and uh, and then some basically suppliers respond what is the status we go back and enter into our our erp system this whole process was very manual process and, and the bot, and bot takes the data from ERP system and we have a customized template for email. Bot writes an email, oh. it, goes to, it goes to suppliers. And the second portion of the bot we are writing, my team is writing is when do they get response, how to read the response and put in the ERP system. So, okay. so that was the simplest example. We had example of invoice processing. Our, our philosophy here is we, this is part of our people first approach is let people be people, not be robots, <laughs> right? Let the so, robots be the robots, that's not Let robot, robots be robots. So we did the example of uh, invoice processing area, right? So as you said, in the last seven months, uh, so much excitement in our functional areas, 400 use case, 65 active projects. We started with the demand issue, and now we have a supply challenge. How do we meet those demands? But that's how the new capabilities work. But I think the team has done a phenomenal job because we are approaching this as a practice. Mm-hmm. Right? And practice means we, we educate our customers the potential of this, yes. power of this. They come with the use cases and we partner with them. If they, they do the process type of work, we do the IT type of work. And that's right. how we create a team.
0: Well, and one of the things that we talked about a little bit were these different practice areas that you have in IT. Now, they're not part of a special innovation group or anything. These are established throughout as different practice. I guess maybe I should back up and ask you, talk about what a practice area means in Oshkosh's digital technology department. Uh, You had mentioned when we talked that you've got three new ones in analytics, in digital manufacturing, and in RPA. Uh, So for an outsider that doesn't understand exactly how IT works for you at Oshkosh, what does that mean when something is a practice area? Uh, Describe a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so when we look at the practice, I think the two, two components, one is the capability and second is the approach, right? And capability is our, our aspiration is if we are saying RPA practice, we have to be number one in knowing the technologies we choose, how do we code? How do we govern? How do we document the processes? So Every element of the technology, we need to have a, a a strong competency that's the capability portion mm-hmm. of it the second is the approach portion of it right approach is we are not telling anybody what to do right we are we are doing guided selling right so we do a educational session with mm-hmm. people and we bring use cases from external places and saying this is what the possible are and raise raise ambition we raise ambition of our uh, our uh, functional group that what is possible and so that's the change in approach once you raise the ambition they create projects so we are not going to tell you what to do right we are going to first is educate you and once we deliver we show you this is your process your value we are here to enable you
0: Interesting, interesting, because I know that uh, from all the business leadership articles and things we've all read over the years, they always underscore the point that you can't create motivation in people or ambition. It essentially has to come, it has to come from the individual. So to find ways to prompt that into action, um, that must feel that must feel like you've discovered a secret sauce, essentially for it. <clears throat>
1: Uh, No, I think this is, again, I I think this all things gets tied to uh, the various elements in philosophy we talked about. If you are customer obsessed and you have empathy, right? You're naturally gravitated towards listening, their uh, weak points, their pain points, and their opportunities. Mm -hmm. And once you are in a listening mode, then your telling mode basically goes away. Right?
0: Right, you're not instructing people. You're, you're not
1: instructing. And once you're not instructing, then it, the, the partnership, and then we talk about the element of trust, right? When you are not telling and listening, that it strengthens your uh, partnership and that basically elevates your trust. So all these things, these, these word choices, the approaches we are taking is uh, part of the broader theme.
0: Yes. The, do you have any specific activities that you undertake to encourage more of that customer listening? You, we've used the term customer obsessed a few times, but you have to have you have to have the places to go to hear the customer voices. And with hundreds of people, 450 plus in IT. They can't all be out wandering around talking to the people building the fire trucks and that sort of thing. So how do you how do you make that happen as the CIO?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the, the point is a repeat couple of things. Number one, a repeat mm-hmm. communication and authenticity of leadership is the first element, mm-hmm. right? So we have a quarterly all-hands meeting of all employees. We make sure that we talk about and also, we don't talk about it. We take out a specific examples where specific teams have demonstrated that. So it becomes a role model. So that's the communication part and living with it. The second, the, the second piece is take doing some initiatives which basically reinforces that message. So like service desk transformation, right? they're not talking about only customer obsession, they mean it, right? Same thing, practice area. So they mean it, right? Uh, so those are the basically repeat communication and, uh, and examples of this. And basically encouraging, I make sure that first of all, as many projects we have a cross-functional team, right? Mm-hmm. Cross-functional within IT, as well as business wherever possible. I encourage that and we make sure that happens. Because those are the elements which helps people to see. Okay, it's just not word. They are see. They mean it. They are serious about it, and they are doing something about it.
0: Yes, the a lot of the CIOs I've talked with are somewhere along the road with. Agile practices inside their businesses and their tech organizations and not necessarily just like the scrum master Agile development a particular method, but just a whole new way of looking at doing business in a more agile fashion that essentially combines Business people onto these teams with technologists. Where are you in that journey? And how do you approach that at Oshkosh?
1: Yeah, so Agile, I will say that we are in uh, early stage. Probably, I will say probably six to nine months ago, mm-hmm. uh, we we started on this journey, and we are basically approaching it from two perspectives. One is the the cultural perspective. Uh, the second is uh, basically process standpoint, mm-hmm. and third is the metrics. Right. So, for example, uh, is if you are an agile organization, your time to respond on service desk will be keep on decreasing, right? Uh, if you are an agile organization, your uh, delivery of projects will be much faster, right? Overall, but you will be delivering. So so th- those are the uh, metric side of culture side of it is we have been uh, focusing on entrepreneurship and inclusiveness. Right, mm-hmm. and, and, and the element there is that everybody's idea matter. And when they are included and you interact with customers, then I think that itself creates uh, uh, speed in the process. Mm-hmm. And then there is a mechanics of, uh, uh, of agile, like sprint and scrums and how do you manage projects and project enablement, all those things. So we have combined all three things, but I'll say we are making uh, good progress in that area but there's a there's a way to go.
0: Well, and I, I hear that from a lot of your CIO colleagues as well. It's just sometimes I get frustrated with the fact that everything is a journey, and we never really seem to arrive at the destination. But in truth, digital transformation is such an ongoing rolling forward kind of approach. Uh, you'll never. I remember there was uh, some. I think it was the CIO of General Motors at one point was asked about when do you know digital transformation has succeeded, and he said, "Well, never. You never stop. You just keep. You just keep rolling forward." I have a a question from our alert audience about meeting back to meeting customer and employee expectations and how improving technology and improving digital technology is often part of the answer, but that it It never stops, like digital transformation itself. So they want to know a little bit more from you about how are you meeting an ever-increasing data demand from automation and from the data-intensive applications. And that may get back to one of your practice areas in data analytics. But do you have, is there anything we haven't talked about so far that you use in essentially um, seeing to that to meet that ever-increasing demand for more data that is doing more things for customers?
1: Yeah, so I, I think in our, our data journey, uh, what we talk about is, uh, philosophically we talk about is data as a, as a business asset, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, we, we have a significant size of the data right now. Mm-hmm. And our focus right now is to use analytics to show the power of what data can do. That's the one element of it. The second element of it is that strategically, what data we need to acquire. I, I believe that we need to have more data than we, are, we have. Right? We have data which we collect as part of our transaction, mm-hmm. but we are going to get more data as part of our digital digital manufacturing. We collect the data from machines, we are collecting the data from our product. Yes. So, so the fact is, uh, the, the answer to the question is, we have data, but I think we need more data, because the power of data is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And our advanced analytics practice actually uh, has demonstrated, right, to our business users, what is the potential, like the predictive models the team has developed on, on many, many things uh, that is showing the power of it. So I think we need more data.
0: Yes. Well, and I'll bet a lot of CEOs would agree with you on that too. Cause over the years, I know I've I've talked with many CIOs who have related conversations they've had with their chief executive officers who all seem to believe that there is gold in those mountains of data. And what are you doing to get me more of that gold? You know, if anything else, that is what I think has uh, has sparked so much spending on data analytics and data warehouses and data marts and all that and that certainly seems to be one technology area that always comes up in a conversation about digital transformation of any kind uh, the the data is paramount to that um, i've got another question kind of related to what we're talking about um, about uh this one is let me see how important is taking uh, the cost takeout mechanism during these difficult COVID times. Are there levers that are contributing to reducing costs? Is digital transformation one of those levers? And the bottom line question is: How are you managing capital projects that today might have become more discretionary?
1: Yeah. So, the the co- so the way we see is uh, digital technology. We are part of uh, the family. Right, and uh, if family is going through a challenging time, every member of the family has to contribute. Right, but that's the underlying philosophy. So that means cost alignment measures, which we have done, we have uh, voluntarily uh, basically came up, and this is what we can contribute uh, from a cost reduction standpoint. And and how we're doing it is primarily focusing on because see, we we laid a foundation about 18 months ago that every project, right? Every project we value based on five year NPV, right? And, and which we have a value clarity and then we have external spend. So what we do is that we look at like what we have done during uh, COVID crisis is looking at all the high NPV oriented projects, Yes. right? Uh, let's prioritize them one, filter one. And filter two is focus on those projects, right where external spend is minimal, right? And then, ha- then have a dialogue with the, with the business, right? There's mm-hmm. a capital capital challenge. This, this is an expense challenge. Our recommendation is that we should focus on these projects and not focus on these projects. What do you think? Yes. So this becomes a dialogue. And if they are passionate about a particular project, Mm-hmm. Then, then they will find money somewhere. Yeah. So, so that's that's how we we are doing it.
0: Okay. And so, the, and the NPV, that's net present value. That's that's one a I'm...
1: net present value five-year NPV we do after tax is just like um, mm-hmm. we we mimic the business investment language. Uh, language. So. Except- they do all the projects on five-year NPV and accept some longer. We exactly, so. so our vocabulary has become very, very common.
0: Which is great because I know that's something for all the uh, many years that I was the editor-in-chief at CIO Magazine. <clears throat> we were, we often wrote articles about that whole biz- business language about speaking in, you know, speaking in the same Language as your business partners. And that was just, it it was such a common theme over the years. Maybe it's because we all talked about it for so many years. It just seems to have been very broadly adopted by CIOs that are having a lot of strategic success with their companies. Um, I hear a lot more about NPV now. I might have five years ago, for instance. Um, Let me see. We are just have a few more minutes left in our time uh, today. Didn't I tell you this would just fly by this hour? Um, And I wanted to talk about some of the leadership lessons that you have learned along the way. Uh, You've had leading business and IT roles at other companies before you came to Oshkosh. And I find that uh, senior leaders like yourself always end up with a couple of key messages that they are willing to pass along to other aspiring CIOs or to some of their colleagues. What are the principles of leadership that have mattered most to you and have contributed to your success so far?
1: Yeah, I will say I I put uh, lessons which I learned in probably three three categories. One is definitely we are in the people business. We create value through people. Mm. So So culture and especially the learning, creating a learning organization, right? Which constantly learns is a very, very important thing. And because what happens if you have a strong culture and learning organization, all things fall in place. The second thing, which I always talked about, trust. Building and elevating trust on everyday basis with your employees, with your peers, with your business, is a important l- lubricant. So people trust. And third thing which I do is a prioritize. We all are inundated with whether it's an email or projects and all that. So I use and I have learned to use I'm still learning it is 80-20 principles. The 20% of the projects create 80% of the value. Focus on that. Right? So 20% of the task creates 80% of value. So I will say people trust. And 80-20 prioritization are the three things I have learned in my career. There are many things I learned, but I, if I have to pinpoint top three, these are the top three.
0: Well, and I and I always do force that question. I make my CIOs all right. Get all your life lessons narrowed down to three really great pieces of advice. <laughs> like, so I appreciate you putting up with that because I know there's probably you have a top ten, um, but those those are all pretty good ones. Culture and trust and eighty twenty. And my, my only issue with eighty twenty is that it takes so much perspective to actually figure out that twenty percent. And I think that
1: best. Uh, that's an art, and that's why I said I'm still learning. We all are practicing and learning every day.
0: Well, that's that's why I think CIOs are, are so interesting to listen to and to talk with. So thank you so much for joining us today. It has been wonderful to have you here, Anu, and I especially appreciate it because I know how incredibly busy and stressed most CIOs today are as we figure out what's going to happen in our worlds over the next couple of months. So we really appreciate your joining us here today. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us.
1: Once again, Mary from uh, thanks for having me.
0: Our pleasure. If you joined us late today, you can watch the full episode, my conversation with Anupam Kare, who is the CIO at Oshkosh Corporation. And you can watch it later today on the CIO.com website, or you can tune into YouTube, where we invite you to take a moment to subscribe to the YouTube channel, IDG Tech Talk. You can also catch this conversation as an audio podcast in any of the places where you get your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with Anupam Kare. I know I did. And I hope you'll join us for our next episode of CIO Leadership Live. We'll be back in about two weeks on Wednesday, June 10th at noon Eastern again, when I'll be joined by Nathan Rogers, who is the CIO at SAIC, the uh, Washington, D.C.-based Defense contractor. Thanks so much for tuning in today and spending time with us. And a special thanks to all of our attentive alert listeners and watchers who sent questions in for Anu. We appreciated your time today and hope to see you back again on June 10th. And in the meantime, stay safe and well. And thanks again for joining
1: us. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.